0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I'll invite you to turn your Bibles tonight to Galatians chapter 3. I want to teach on something I've taught on probably a thousand times, but it keeps stirring around on the inside of us and stirring around on the inside of me. Wouldn't it be nice if we got everything the first time we heard it? Maybe the thousandth time will be the the, the key for somebody. Who knows? Galatians chapter 3, Paul's writing to the church or churches at Galatia. Galatia is a region, not a city. And so he's writing uh, letters. He's writing a letter that is to be passed around to the different churches in the region of Galatia. We know some of the situation that occurred there um, when Paul was first there in Acts chapter 14, when he first went to that region, the Jews stirred up a lot of trouble against him wherever he went. And uh, so much so that in one place they came down from another city and stoned him and left him for dead. Um, I think that has to mean... They knew what they were doing, and they killed him, but God raised him up. But regardless, we know that uh, the um, the Jews had infiltrated the churches that Paul had started and were trying to get them back under bondage to the law of Moses. They were saying, well, you know, faith in Jesus stuff, that's okay. Being born again, that's okay, but you still got to keep the law of Moses. And so as a result, Paul's writing a letter back to those churches telling them about the error that they're in by believing the Judaizers we'll start in verse 5 he says well now start in verse 1 we'll get the context oh foolish Galatians who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set forth crucified among you this only would I learn of you received you the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith his question is very simple he said how'd you get saved Do you get saved through the works of the law or do you get saved by believing in what Jesus has done for us on the cross? Are you so foolish? Verse 3, are you so foolish? Having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? In other words, he's saying the works of the law, the works of uh, the law of Moses didn't do any good for you to be regenerated or renewed or born again into righteousness. So what makes you think it's going to add anything to you now? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it yet be in vain? He therefore... Verse 5 is what I want you to see. He therefore that ministers to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you. How does he do it? Is it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The next verse answers the question. Even as... Here's how he does it. Here's how miracles take place among the church. Even as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Know you therefore... That they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. Not through the law but through faith. Preach before the gospel unto Abraham saying in these shall all the nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Paul is very simply telling us by the Holy Ghost. I like to say it this way the Holy Ghost is telling us through Paul. That the key to, to anything relative to God receiving from God. The key to miracles is the example of faith that Abraham showed us. He's saying the key to the miracle-working power of God in any and every area is the faith that Abraham showed us and set for us as an example. This is the kind of faith that does miracles. This is the kind of faith that produces miracles. This is the kind of faith that receives anything and everything from God. Romans chapter 4 tells us what that example of faith is. Verse 17, it says, as it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Paul is very simply reminding the Romans, remember what was written in the Old Testament. How that God told Abraham, I have made you the father of nations. Now, when did he tell him that? Before or after he had children? Long before. God said, I have made thee the father of many nations. Now, notice what it says before God, as it is written, I have made thee the Father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those saints which be not as though they were. In the margin of my Bible, there's a little number by that word before. And in the margin, if you look over at the margin to what that number corresponds to, it says, like unto God. In other words, it's saying, That just as it's written in the Old Testament, God said to Abraham, I have made thee the father of many nations. Abraham imitated God in this respect. He imitated God by saying what God said. By calling those things that be not as though they were. Now folks, in 31 years of pastoring, uh, 30, what is it, 33 years? I don't know, it's a long time. This is, without a doubt, the place where most people get hung up. Well-meaning Christians, sincere people that love God with all their hearts, have more trouble with the idea that we are imitating God, that we are like unto God, that we are believing God by calling things that be not as though they were. They get in their head, and, and certainly this is influenced and, and instigated by the devil, Speaking into our ears saying, you can't say that, that's a lie. But God said it. The Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. So for God to call things that be not as though they were, can't be lying. And furthermore, for him to tell us that we need to follow that same example, that couldn't be wrong either. Because if it's wrong for us to do it, it would be wrong for God to do it. And if God is telling us to do something that results in a lie. Then God has tempted us with evil. Which the Bible says he doesn't do. So it's very simply saying that this is the faith that Abraham showed. These are characteristics of Abraham's faith. These are characteristics of miracle working faith. As it is written I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him are like unto him. Whom he believed even God. Who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, there's several different ways you can interpret this verse. I believe the the real crux of this is simply this. It's saying when you call things that be not as though they were, like unto God, you can bring dead things to life. That's what happened to his body, isn't it? We'll keep reading. Verse 18. It says, who against hope, that means without any circumstances to hope in, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Well, if he's not believing in what he sees or feels, the circumstances around him, what is he believing in? According to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Doesn't say he denied the facts. says he called things that be not as though they were. He didn't let the deadness of his body or the deadness of Sarah's womb influence him or distract him or keep him from saying what God said, I've made you the father of nations. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God. He staggered not at the promise of God. Now, folks, the word stagger is interesting. We know what stagger means. It means to waver. It means to be unsteady. But I believe it speaks to the circumstances that we all experience and face whenever we step out in faith. The devil works overtime to bring doubt, to raise questions, to keep you from doing the one thing that works, which is calling things that be not as though they were. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, folks, please understand this is God's definition. This is the Holy Ghost definition of faith. Calling things that be not as though they were. Now, it's it's an interesting thing. I think it's significant for us to, to point out and to recognize that most of the church world is focusing on behavior. Thinking that the way that we make God happy with us, the way we please God is by doing the right things and overcoming sin the temptation to sin and so forth well there's no question that that's a benefit but nowhere does the Bible say that without good works you can't please God just doesn't say it what it does say is without faith you can't please God now if the Bible defines if the Holy Ghost defines faith at least one aspect of it as calling things that be not as though they were if we insert that definition into, into Hebrews eleven six, 6. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. Without calling things that be not as though they were, it's impossible to please God. Let me say that again. If the Bible definition given by the Holy Ghost of, is of faith, at least in part, is to call things that be not as though they were. If we insert that definition to Hebrews 11:6, but without calling things that be not as though they were, it's impossible to please God. Doesn't it make sense that the children of God should act like their father? We certainly know that children of the devil act like theirs. And that's what Romans 4:17 is saying. It's saying that Abraham imitated or was like unto God. This is what believing God was taking what God said and calling things that be not as though they were. Taking what God said, I've made you the father of many nations and calling things that be not as though they were. In Abraham's case, the assemblyman, he called himself the father of nations. God changed his name to mean the father of many nations. So every time he's calling himself what God called him, every time he's identifying with the name that God gave him, He's calling things that be not as though they were. He's calling things that be not as though they were. Now, if we go a little bit further over in James chapter 5, where it gives the church instruction concerning the sick and how to pray for the sick, how to minister to the sick. It says, as any sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, verse 15, James chapter 5, verse 15, and the prayer of faith shall heal the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. And if he's committed sins. They shall be forgiven him. Again. If we use the Holy Ghost definition of faith. And insert it in James 5.15. And the prayer of calling things that be not as though they were. Shall heal the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up. The prayer of calling things that be not as though they were. Will heal the sick. See most people have the idea that prayer is asking God for something. And that's only one type of prayer. Prayer. The prayer of faith is not asking for something. The prayer of faith is a declaration or a vow. This is what God said, so this is what belongs to us. And it's the prayer of calling things that be not as though they were. So if we identify that definition in James chapter 5, verse 15, the prayer of calling things that be not as though they were shall heal the sick, save or heal the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. If that's a progression... Then it shows us the Lord doesn't start working until we start calling things that be not as though they were. It tells us that the key to getting God's work in action. The key to get, getting God's work to come on the scene. Is to call things that be not as though they were. Not oh God please heal me. That doesn't heal the sick. But calling things that be not as though they were does. Does. Now, turn with me over to to, uh, Mark chapter 5. There are plenty of examples that we can use to prove this out. Let's use one of the most well-known. I think everybody's, as much as we teach on this and use this as an example, I think this is clearly evident. Mark chapter 5, verse 25, it says, In a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, What's she going to say? For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue or power had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou who touched me? In other words, they're saying everybody that can touch you is touching you. How are we supposed to find one specific person that touched you? What does that tell us? That tells us that the physical touch wasn't the key. There's a lot of people touching Jesus physically. But only one person out of the crowd touched him in faith. And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Now, you know as well as I do that the healing power of God that went out of him and into her did the work. But he attributes that healing work to her faith, not to the power of God. Because it was her faith that activated the power. So he said, Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. From 1947 to about 1957, 58, somewhere around there, there was a healing revival that took place in America. And it was an astounding thing. Brother Hagen, who was part of that healing revival, said that it was the easiest thing in the world to get people healed during those days. He said there was just a flow of the Spirit of God that was going that direction. He said people that, that really didn't even have a ministry call on them would stepped into that, started having meetings and getting some... Um, many notable miracles that took place he talked about one guy that he took with him for uh, a period of time as a song leader and mc platform man kind of guy didn't have the call of god on his life in in much of any way whatsoever wasn't a real good teacher wasn't a, a preacher to speak of but during the healing revival he started going out on his own getting miracles just like everybody else was he said that's just the way that it went but even during the healing revival days and and it took me a long time to understand after hearing some of these stories my mind would start going in all kinds of directions of thinking about the miracles and the signs and the wonders and things like that that I'd read about but then I found out a little bit later some years after I found out how most of these healing ministries worked even at the height of the healing ministry most of these healing ministers would either themselves or have somebody else teaching during the daytime. The word of God, what the word of God says about healing. They would announce, and Brother Hagin ran his uh, services this way. He was in the churches in those days, and he'd stay for three, three weeks, no, no uh, less than three weeks at any place that he went to. Sometimes, I think the longest place he stayed was uh, nine weeks. But he would teach on faith and healing in the morning. And the first night of the service, he would kind of set things up and let everybody know that they were going to be praying for the sick at night. But he told those that needed healing, he said, now don't come the first night. Don't come tonight to have hands laid on you. We want you to get results, and this is the way we can guarantee the best results. Come to these morning teaching meetings. Many of these healing evangelists would have teaching meetings, and they'd give out cards. I know in Amy Amy Simple McPherson's case, you couldn't get in her healing line without a card that said that you had been to five-day teachings about healing. Many of the other ministries, well-known ministries of that day did the same thing or something similar. Because they knew even with the Holy Ghost moving in the area of healing the way that he was in such a miraculous way, faith on the part of the individual was still key. See, the move of the Holy Ghost is not intended to take the place of faith, but to supplement it. And so he'd tell people, Brother Hagin would tell people, Don't come the first night. Don't come the second night. If you can get into these day teachings. He said we're going to be here for several weeks. Get into these day teachings. Stay in there for at least a week. Build your faith in the area of healing. Then come get in the healing line. And watch God heal you. And that was the kind of results they had. He's trying to get people. In his meetings. Doing the same thing the woman with issue of blood did. She began to say i can just touch his clothes i shall be held the greek indicates that she didn't say it one time but that she said it continuously if i can just touch his clothes i shall be held now what does that mean what is she believing for she's believing that the healing power of god will heal her the power of god that jesus is anointed with would bring healing to her body that's what she's believing and jesus said daughter your faith has made you whole I believe that's what James chapter 5 is trying to get the church to do. So often people focus on the anointing with oil, the elders, and some of them even will focus on the prayer of faith. But it's not a real common thing that people come in faith to begin with expecting results. Most people are looking for somebody that's got something special from God, whether it's the pastor or a healing evangelist or whoever it is. If I can just find somebody that's got something extra from God, then they'll minister the healing power of God to me. But they don't realize that the healing power of God, even on somebody that's got a special anointing in that respect, is triggered by their faith. Wouldn't it seem foolish to expect a minister to do nowadays what Jesus couldn't do when he was here? In his own hometown of Nazareth, according to Mark chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, it says, in his own hometown of Nazareth, Jesus could there do no mighty work. He didn't have any blind eyes open. He didn't have any lepers healed or cleansed. Didn't have any cripples raised up. And he marveled because of their unbelief. If unbelief kept the healing power of God that was on Jesus from working effectively, wouldn't it do the same with us? If unbelief hindered the power of God then, wouldn't unbelief hinder the power of God now? But then you've got examples like Mark chapter 5 where somebody seems to understand a little bit about faith. Now, how she gained that understanding must have come from what she heard about Jesus. If, if that's not it, I don't know what it would be. But she heard of Jesus and she started saying, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. That's the equivalent of her saying, if I can get to him, the healing power of God will make a difference in my body. If I can just get to him, the healing power of God will raise me up. And instantly, when she touches Jesus, Jesus knows that there's somebody that's touched him in a different way. Somebody has touched him in a way that draws on the power. Not just seeing what will happen. That's the way I think people ought to come to be, have hands laid on them now. That's one of the reasons why we started this healing school eight or nine years ago now. We're trying to get into the mindset of the people people that hear us on TV, people that hear us on online some way or another, or people that come to the services themselves. If we can get them to start believing for their healing rather than looking for somebody else to do the job for them, you can get better results. And remember, one of the Bible definitions that we've already mentioned tonight of faith is calling things that be not as though they were. If you can get somebody calling things that be not as though they were before you minister to them, Makes all the difference in the world. Makes all the difference in the world. Now, folks, this will work in every area. Let me tell you a story. About a year ago, um, well, I need to back up before I get into the details. I grow tomatoes. Every year I send off for heirloom tomatoes, and I fill as much in my backyard as I can with tomato plants. I love Tomatoes. I like growing different varieties. I've got 21 different varieties of tomato plants in my yard right now. They're starting to come in, and boy, when they come in, it is a wonderful, wonderful time. (laughs) I don't know how to farm anything else, but I can grow tomatoes. Well, I've got a um, planter, six-foot by eight-foot planter box in my backyard that I use for many of them, as many as I can get in there. And some years ago, the people that lived in the house behind us planted a tree, a pine tree, beautiful tree, and it took off growing like crazy. And so about a year ago, this tree is at least 60 feet high, maybe taller. This is a huge, huge tree, fastest growing thing I ever saw. It's so big that it's blocking out the sun and keeping me from getting all the sun that I want on my tomato plants. So I went in the backyard, and this thing was frustrating me like you can't believe. It's taking up tomato sun. So I stood there in my backyard and I thought, Jesus said, if you speak to the sycamine tree, it'll be plucked up by the roots and cast into the sea. Now, I don't really care where it goes. But I stood there and pointed my finger at that big pine tree and cursed it and told it to be gone. Now, as you can well imagine, my head is giving me fits about this. The devil is saying, you got to be kidding. You can't really think that something like that's going to happen. Well, folks, I got to tell you, I didn't care how the tree came down. But as far as I was concerned, I wanted the tree down. So I went to my next, my backyard neighbor, found a time when they were at home. Not the same people that had planted the tree. Those people had been long gone, several years. But I went to the, uh, the guy that was living in the house, uh, living there now. And I knocked on the door and finally got somebody to come to the door. And I told him who I was. Never met him before. Never had any reason to interact with him before. But told him that I was his backyard neighbor. And I told him about the tree that was in his yard. And how it was blocking the sun from my tomatoes. So I said, I'd like to take that tree down. I'll pay for it. I'll do the work. I'll take care of it. I want to take that tree down. Would that be all right with you? Well, he got real offended. He was really offended that I wanted to take down his tree. And he was pretty obvious about it. So anyway, I left left a, a, a note with my name and phone number on there. And I said, well, if you change your mind, let me know and I'll do something about it. I came back in my yard and I was certainly disappointed that he wasn't open to my idea. But I looked at that tree and I said, tree, you're cursed in Jesus' name. I called you gone before and I still call you gone. Every time I went in my backyard. In a frustrated way. I said, tree, I call you gone in Jesus name. Now, folks, you got to remember something. Jesus said all things are possible to them that believe. He did not say all things are possible to them that feel strong in what they believe. Brother Hagin told me something years and years ago. That stuck with me and and always will. He said, I've gotten some of the greatest results in faith. When my head was bothering me the most about it. So I didn't pay any attention to it. Every time I went in my backyard. I looked at that tree and said, tree, you're gone in Jesus name. After about six months. I got a text from the guy. That was offended before. Asked me if I still interested in taking that tree down. Well, you know the end of the story. I said, Yes. I arranged to have it taken down My yard guy Who's also the tree guy Real good with taking down trees And pruning them And stuff like that He took down that tree And I have a yard full of sun now Now you can say Whatever you want to say about that And I wouldn't argue with any of you You can say Well all you did was pay To have the tree taken down And in one sense that's true But something happened With that guy From the first time I talked to him about it To when I heard from him again What was it? Don't know Don't care. Here's what I do know. I got exactly what I said. I got exactly what I said. Jesus said all things are possible to him that believes. Somebody, I told somebody about that in in passing and they said, well, yeah, but you had to pay money to get it down. Like that matters to me. Couldn't care less. Glad to have it down. The faith that brings miracle results. Paul is saying in Galatians chapter 3. Miracle working faith is the faith that calls things that be not as though they were. You get somebody calling things that be not as though they were. Where their body is concerned. Where their healing is concerned. You can get them healed every time. But so many times people are coming to you. Coming to somebody else. You generally I mean. They're going to somebody else trying to get them to have faith for them or them to use some extra power of God or some extra anointing or whatever that might be to do what the Bible says they should be doing for themselves. The prayer of faith is not intended to be a transfer of power. Praying in James chapter 5 verse 15, the prayer of faith, the prayer that calls things that be not as though they were will, uh, will heal the sick. That's not supposed to be a transfer of power. That's supposed to be a prayer of agreement. You're agreeing that Jesus took your infirmities and bore your sicknesses with the elders of the church. The Bible says, if any two of you agree as touching anything they ask, my father will do it for them. Without exception, Jesus said. That's supposed to be a prayer of agreement. But so often ministering to the sick seems to be a looking for a search. For unseen power from one person to the next. And the Bible never promises that. Without a doubt, it works that way sometimes. But that's not what the Bible promises. It says the prayer of faith shall save the sick or heal the sick. Who's supposed to pray the prayer of faith? Well, you are. I am. All of us as individuals are. When we join together, In a vow or declaration of faith. Calling things that be not as though they were. Jesus said that adds or multiplies power. And with all of my heart. I believe that's the way it's supposed to be. I believe churches. I certainly want our church to be this way. But I believe every church should be a depository. of faith. To receive whatever you need from God. How do you know somebody's in faith? You can always tell by what they say. The faith that receives from God, the faith that works miracles, the faith that Abraham exhibited and set us an example of, calls things that be not as though they were. Calls things that be not as though they were. That kind of faith that receives calls things that be not as though they were. I've seen tumors disappear because people call things that that be not as though they were. I've seen people call their bodies tumor-free and watch the tumors disappear. And it'll work on things big and it'll work on things small. As it is written, I have made thee the father of many nations. Before him, Abraham operated like unto God. Before him or like unto him, even God whom he believed. According to that which was spoken. According to that which was spoken. Calling things that be not as though they were according to that which was spoken. That's all Abraham did. God said, I've made you the father of nations. So Abraham started saying it too. That's all he did. He didn't stagger. He didn't waver. He didn't get dissuaded by the circumstances. He believed that the power of God and the word of God was more real than circumstances that said it's not real. And it produced a miracle. That was an example for the whole of the church world. For over 2,000 years. He simply said what God said. Well what about you? Are you saying what God says about your situation? So many times people don't even, don't even know what God says about their situation. They want somebody else to pray for them and give them the answers. But that's not the way it's supposed to work. You're supposed to call things that be not as though they were in your case and in your life. And I'm supposed to do it in my case and in my life. And if we need help, we come to one another and say, let's agree together. That kind of prayer of calling things that be not as though they were works every time. Without exception. Works every time. Operating the way the woman with issue of blood did works every time. She began to say, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. Well, Jesus isn't here for us to touch his clothes anymore. But the Bible tells us what the price was that he paid and what the result was. He took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses and with his stripes, we are healed. That means if we believe what God says about the work of Jesus, that he did indeed take our infirmities and bear our sicknesses, that work's already done. Now we have to do is call things that be not as though they were concerning our body, concerning our physical condition. We should call our bodies well, we should call our bodies healed and the devil will throw a fit when you start doing that. He'll throw an absolute fit. How dare you say something like that? The answer is simple. Because God said it. Yeah, but you know that's not true. It has to be true because God said it. Do you realize that if God could lie? The Bible says he can. It's impossible for him to lie. But if God could lie, do you realize that because he's God, his words would come to pass anyway? Do you know what I mean by that? Does that make sense? If God could lie... Because as God, what he said would come to pass. That's why he can't lie. Because it's impossible for his word to fail. It's impossible for what he said about us and about what belongs to us to fail to come to pass. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but his word will never fail. Then that means calling things that be not as though they were based on what he said cannot fail. It'll never fail. It'll never fail. Well, how long do we have to do it, Pastor Mike? Do it till it comes. Do it till it comes to pass. That'd be a good time to quit. See, when the woman with the issue of blood knew in her body that something had changed, knew that the healing power of God had changed her body, now she doesn't have to say it anymore. It's already a reality. She knew in herself That something had happened. So the prayer of faith. The vow of faith. The declaration of faith. Is for those who refuse to give up. On calling things to be not as though they were. That's the one. That will always receive. That's the faith that Abraham had. That's the faith that the Bible sets as an example for us. That produces the miracle working power of God. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you so much for the privilege to walk by faith. We feel so sorry for people that have had it easy, Lord. Because it's a privilege. To learn of your faithfulness. And to see you honor your word and watch over your word to perform it in our lives. We recognize, Father, that it honors you when we believe your word. It honors you when we act like you do. And say what you have said. It honors you when we call things that be not as though they were. So we call ourselves the healed of God. We call ourselves free from sickness and disease. We call ourselves well. We call our bodies well in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that that's true. Because Jesus took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, we are healed. Thank you Father that healing is ours now not sometime down the road it's not ours now because you said it's ours now. You said Jesus has already done the work so we say it's ours. Thank you Father that our bodies are well free from sickness and disease. Every sickness and every disease whether it's known or unknown to man we are the healed of God. We worship you Father We worship you, Lord Jesus, as not only our Savior, our Redeemer, but as our healer. It's so good to be healed, Lord. It's so good to know that your word upholds us, holds us up, strengthens us, helps us, and causes the blessing of God to come to pass on our behalf. We love you, Lord Jesus. We thank you for your healing mercy. We thank you. That we are healed in Jesus' precious name. Do you believe that? That's what God said. It's impossible for Him to lie. He said, We're already healed. Somebody said that the prayer of faith always ends in the glad confession It's mine, I have it now. Thank God, healing is mine. I have it now. Amen. Healing is ours. We have it now. Amen. Say it with me The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.